Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. You can't be looking to social media to police itself and, and, and these apps and these platforms to do the responsible thing because they've proven to us time and time again they're not going to. So what do we do? Well, we've looked to the government, right? We've said the federal government needs to come up with some kind of regulation for all of these social media apps. Um, a lot of focus on TikTok following um, the allegations and the reporting and you know, are now our, our much better understanding of foreign interference in Canadian democracy and elections by the Chinese government. Um, well, TikTok has direct ties to the Chinese government as much as they say they don't. We all know they do. And there's all kinds of things that have been done to make sure that, you know, that doesn't happen. And all kinds of different levels of government have said, that's it. If you've got a government device, you cannot have TikTok on it. We don't trust the security system around it. Uh, federal government has also talked about, but where are we? Looks like maybe again, we've got a situation where a lot has been said, but really not a lot has been done. Matt Malone is an assistant professor at Thompson Rivers University, and he recently wrote a piece for the Globe and Mail entitled, Why is the federal government so inept at policing apps like TikTok? It's a great question, Matt. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on. Let, let's start with TikTok, because we've talked about this one a lot in Canada and here on the show, too, about the risks that have been identified with this platform. Now, like I say, different levels of government here and in other places around the world have taken some action and said you can't have TikTok on a government device. Our federal government came up with a similar policy, right? What did they say and what's the follow through being? Where are we with it? So listeners will probably remember back in February last year, the government came out and said that TikTok presented an unacceptable risk uh, to privacy and security. And so they quickly banned the app. But when I filed some access to information requests, I took a look at the circumstances and the context of this announcement. And this is really what motivated uh, writing the piece. Because the underlying intelligence brief that identifies these threats that you're talking about, these concerns about data collection, addictive algorithms, uh, sensitive data, control of the information environment, and so forth, is actually five months old. So there, there was one piece there that just didn't make sense to me. So I started looking at some other issues related, and I, and I, went, into, and I went into the topic uh, with, with this op-ed. So when you take a look at it, and, and like you say, I mean, our country really seems to lack a lot of direction on this. Right? If you take a look and you contrast us with what's happening with our you know, allies in the United States, UK, Australia, you name it, we're way behind what's happening in other places, right? Yeah, and I think there's a lot of hypocrisy in banning TikTok on government devices when we're not doing or not willing to do other things that make sense if we're so concerned about privacy and security. So, for example, um, we waited five months on this intelligence brief to act to to ban the app on government-issued devices. Uh, the timing is interesting because, obviously, the announcement came 10 days after the Globe and Mail broke the story about Chinese foreign interference. So the government had an imperative to look uh, tough on, on China. The other issues are that, you know, the government has not stopped buying advertising on TikTok itself. 
So if we're concerned about privacy and security, yeah. it seems illogical that we're throwing $2 million a year at TikTok, which is what we're doing. And I'll just add one final thing. If we're concerned about you know, foreign control or the collection of data or the use of this data by foreign adversaries, it's really interesting to look at other apps on government devices that aren't banned. So there's a host of government um, of Russian uh, apps, including V-Contact, which is a Russian social media app that's very popular. Um, none of those apps have been banned. So, you know, dating apps are not banned on government-issued devices. You can install Tinder on a government-issued device today. The chief information officer of Canada said before the House of Commons last fall that 90% of government-issued devices let the user install whatever they want. Unreal. And then, so now now we've gone beyond TikTok. And, and there's risk with all of these platforms, right? It's not like TikTok is the only threat out there. Absolutely. Um, uh, through the Access to Information Act, I got uh, a briefing from the Department of National Defense, which identifies threats associated with all kinds of apps from uh, Facebook, um, it, from you know Facebook, which might seem banal to you know dating yeah. or hookup apps to TikTok, um, this briefing, which is a little scary, even LinkedIn, which uh, the Department of National Defense uh, describes as a directory for anyone who wants to get low cost, but good quality intelligence, where it's essentially being provided uh, you know, by parties themselves. So um, there's concerns with this data, there's the concerns with this data being collected at you know, by any of these adversaries. With TikTok, the, the concerns are a little bit more palpable because of the issues of control that you alluded to. Yeah, exactly. Um, we know, know there's a direct line right into Beijing with TikTok. I mean, they, they've said, no, it's not. It's, but we know that there's a very good likelihood that there is, right? That's right. The, the difference between TikTok and its parent company, ByteDance, is really amorphous. I mean, the companies have the same lawyers. Um, the Chinese uh, Cyberspace Administration Authority has a 1% share in TikTok, which is what's known as a golden share that allows it to exercise control over the company. And there's all kinds of concerns we've seen uh, in the last few years with TikTok. I mean, they've been caught tracking journalist locations uh, to find sources for leaks uh, pertaining to embarrassing stories. They've been caught um, sending data to China, which they've been on the record saying that they wouldn't do for Americans, but they did it anyway. So there's all these sorts of concerns, and the level of data collection is also expanding. As you see, the privacy notice for TikTok now moved to collecting biometric information, for example. So there's lots of questions about what, hap- what type of data is being collected, where is this data being stored, where is it being transferred. But I would say that the real culprit here is not TikTok or any of the other social media companies. It's Canadian privacy law. Uh, I appeared in the House of Commons uh, before the Standing Committee that deals with privacy issues in the fall. And I raised this concern, which is if you're very concerned about where data is being stored and where it's being transferred, we need stronger privacy laws, simply put. Um, We need laws that will govern uh, when and how data can be transferred to jurisdictions like China and Russia. And we need real penalties for that law as well. That, that That's part of it, right? I mean, our, the laws we have are relatively toothless. I mean, where would you start? Like you say, that that's one of the things that we need to do. But in order to sort of get a handle on where we are and how we sort of protect information and data and all the rest of it, where do we start? What, what should we be doing? Well, privacy and data protection law is notoriously labyrinth in Canada. But I think there's two or maybe three areas where we can start. And we're we're making some moves there, but we need to move a lot faster. So we need to update our privacy legislation. It hasn't been updated in about 20 years, so it's really out of date. 
Um, that process is going on right now, but there's some concerns I have with that legislation in the way that it still relies on these privacy notices that no one's using on the internet. The second big change is we need to really pass some meaningful AI legislation. So there's some legislation uh, before the House of Commons now. Uh, it does not apply to government, though, and I think it should. And the last piece is we need to get serious about the issues that we actually face when it comes to online threats. There's all kinds of harms that are perpetuated through social media, in particular against children. Um, you know, Facebook tends to be one of the main vectors for that. TikTok is as well. Um, but we need we need meaningful um, tools for reporting, uh, enforcing, and and investigating and prosecuting uh, these types of crimes. And we really don't have them in Alberta. There, I believe, there are only. Uh, eight uh, investigators on the RCMP's cybercrime investigative team. And here in British Columbia, there's only four. And in Saskatchewan, there's none. And in Manitoba, there's none. Wow. So this can really tell you how seriously we take online threats when it comes to enforcement. Which is mind-blowing, Matt, because we hear stories constantly about the threat of cybercrime. Constantly. I know. Well, I mean, the average ransomware attack now is something like $250,000. Jeez. And the cybersecurity authorities say that every time they talk to businesses, uh, ransomware is their number one concern. You see these harrowing stories that involve children and the the disclosure of intimate images and these types of things, these sort of revenge porn cases. And that's not even the accurate term for some of them when they involve young people like this. And so it's really it's really harrowing. We need to get more serious about it. A few years ago, the government threw money at the National Cybercrime Coordination Center called NC3. Sounded kind of like a fancy place where you could report crime online. Mm-hmm. But if you go on that website today, that money came, that money was thrown at, uh, Public Safety gave that to the RCMP in 2018. But if you go on that website today, it still says that it only accepts 25 complaints per day nationwide. So it's like, we really don't even have the tools no. to report this crime, let alone investigate it, let alone prosecute it. So Canada is in a really difficult position here, and, and we need to enhance our legislation for sure. It's, it's mind-blowing that we're still in this position. It really is. Matt, thank you so much. It's, a, it's an interesting conversation. I really do appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me on. You bet. Thank you. That's Matt Malone. Um, Matt is an assistant professor at Thompson Rivers University Faculty of Law. And again, you know, whenever we talk about cybersecurity and all the rest and these platforms and this technology and stuff, I think it's really, really hard to uh, to regulate after the fact. You know, once these things are already in existence, to try and come up with rules to govern how we use them is really, really hard. But having said that, like Matt's saying, you know, if we've got government devices and we're worried about Chinese interference in democracy and all the rest, and you're working for the government of Canada, there should be certain things where you can't put that on your phone, right? You just can't. If you've got, you know, things that have information that relate to the government of Canada on your phone, your iPad, your laptop, your desktop, I don't care what it is, then there are certain applications that you just cannot install on there. That that makes perfect sense. I mean, it's been done. I mean, there's all kinds of, uh, you know, governments in the United States and in Canada and, you know, provincial governments and all the rest, city governments have said, that's it. If you've got, if you've got you know, uh, a company phone, as it were, then that's it. Don't be putting TikTok on it.